Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Genesis of Startups, where we interview brilliant minds in entrepreneurship to explore what it's really like to start a business. Today, we have Alex Carpenter, who is a six-time startup founder and is currently an associate lecturer in entrepreneurship at the University of Sydney and the startup program manager of Sydney Genesis. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Will. So, six startups. How did that happen? I have a degree in managerial accounting, um, but like a lot of people, I really don't like accounting. So at the end of that degree, I started to think about uh, what I could actually do with an accounting degree. And one of those things is is start businesses. So I wasn't a problem-led entrepreneur. I was more of a necessity entrepreneur. I needed a job. And so I started looking around uh, in my life for problems. And one of those was that the fruit and veg being delivered to the nightclubs that I was working at was done with very poor service because most fruit and veg wholesalers deliver fruit and veg to restaurants. And when restaurants want things delivered, it's actually 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning and nightclubs aren't even open then. They just closed a couple of hours ago. So that was the first problem of actually delivering a service of just good timing to a client that wasn't receiving it. And from that tiny little idea, it grew to be quite a large business. And then eventually I I sold that and that, that was quite a long time ago now. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's all a progressive thing. So you never go out there to think about starting six (laughs) companies. It's kind of like you never wake up in the day thinking like, oh, I'm going to do all of these things. You you have a rough idea on like, oh, I'll I'll have lunch at some stage, I guess. But it's not there was a master plan of like, once I hit six, then I'll be happy. It's nothing like that at all. I mean, I'll still probably start a bunch more, but it's just an opportunity identification almost problem that I've got. Like I I can't help but see them. And then once I've seen them, I can't (laughs) help but act on them. I want to talk a little bit about your current position at the University of Sydney as the program manager of Genesis, because I understand that you had a chance to work with hundreds of students, staff and alumni develop their business ideas. And so from your experience then, what makes a great entrepreneur? There's been a lot of research into fundamentally what makes up an entrepreneur. And I'm not going to be able to do justice to all of that literature in this answer. But know that that is a fairly well understood question. And the the most important thing that I keep reminding people about is from my perspective and backed up by a lot of the literature is that it comes down to, to three characteristics. Grit, it's a new phenomena in which we're starting to pay a lot of attention to now, but it's actually the the culmination of passion and perseverance. Yeah, and this was um, Angela Duckworth. Yeah, so the concept of passion in entrepreneurship has been around for a very, very long time. So grit is really just repackaged passion and perseverance. Before Angela Duckworth, the concept that passion and perseverance were good things for entrepreneurs was obvious, didn't even need to be said. So grit is a good summary of those two attributes. So you, you need to be passionate and you need to be have enough perseverance to see it through. So I say that the three characteristics that I pay the most attention to are you've got to be gritty enough to make continual progress, you've got to be humble enough to ask for help, and you've got to be generous enough to help the people around you. The reason why humble and generous I've included, although they're less backed up by the literature, 
because a lot of entrepreneurs are not humble nor generous. I think that moving forward, they're going to be more and more important because Mm. people are seeing through people who aren't willing to help and who aren't humble. And so the amount of help that those people receive is significantly less. And it takes a country to raise a startup. And in order to be successful, you really do need a lot of people in your corner. And those people will be in your corner because you helped them or they see something in you that they want to help bring to life. Yeah. And if you're not humble enough to accept their help, then they're not going to help you. So they go hand in hand. Humble and generous both need to exist in a successful founder, ideally, because it's about getting people behind you that believe in what you're trying to create and also helping them so that they can begin to help create the vision that you're working towards. Yeah. And so when someone is a nobody, really, creating their own first company and they don't know anyone within their network, how can they be generous or how can they be humble enough to ask for help when they don't know anyone? Yeah, I I think you've raised a really good point there. We have a really bad habit of thinking that startups are overnight successes and that they come into fruition because of the, you know, the sheer determination of their founders and that it's this hero kind of concept that it's it takes like a Superman, Batman kind of situation to create a startup that it's just like, wow, they're so amazing. Yeah. And that's really, really dangerous because it's not true. It's actually just average normal people doing pretty average normal things on a day-to-day basis that make these things happen. And so the idea that you need to be something incredible is really detrimental to the space. You just don't. It takes everyone in order to bring that to life. So it doesn't matter what characteristics you bring to the table, what skills, what expertise, everything is needed in order to bring these companies about. That's a really important thing to understand. And then thinking about it takes a country to raise a startup, people just don't really understand how much value is in their network already and how willing people are to help if you're going out there to do something that's worthwhile. Yeah. If you've got a company that's seeking to solve some of the biggest problems in the world, like climate change, then lots of people want to solve climate change. So lots of people are going to help you in lots of different ways. And you don't really know how willing people are to help you until you go out there and ask them. And if you venture out and you ask them, I'm really passionate about solving climate change. Can you help me? Nine out of 10 people would say, sure. How can I help? What could I do? And it's more often than not the value of everyone else's network. So no one knows no one. Like everyone is super highly connected in today's society. Even, you know, the Victorian era, still no one knew no one. Like we're a community species. We're constantly in community. And so we just discount that. We think, I don't know anyone. But if you actually drew out a map of all of your connections and all of the experience that you've got, all the people that would buy you lunch, like that's a lot of people and they've got a lot of connections because it all multiplies. The, the network effect is, is immensely powerful. 
So you're only ever a couple of degrees away from someone who is the absolute expert in the field of whatever question you want to ask. So it's just a matter of getting used to using your network in that way and not thinking about it as like a burden. Like you're not being a burden on your network. You're actually giving them opportunities to show that their network is valuable and that they're valuable. And people want to do that. People get really excited when they figure out that there's actually something that they could do that would be helpful. Hmm. People want to help you. People generally want to be helpful. And so if you're a startup, you need to understand that. And understanding that goes along with the humility to accept the fact that you don't have all the answers and that other people are are there to help and the generosity to understand that, well, if they're going to help me, then, then I should help others. And it just comes back down to that. It's that power of the network. And I think, I mean, there is some research showing that entrepreneurs are more successful based on how large a social network they have. Hmm. And now I'm not talking about how many Facebook friends you have. That's <laughs> not a good indicator at all of your social network because they're far too distant. I'm talking about people that would actually shout you lunch. Hmm. If you forgot your wallet one day, how many people could you call or ask to shout you lunch? They're the people that are really in your network. And the larger that number is, the more valuable your network is. And there, and that's just scales. Because even if you have two people that would shout you lunch, well, then they've got two people and they've got two people and they've got two people and they've got two people. And then suddenly you've got a, a fairly large army of people willing to help. And that's a very small, like I'm sure more people would shout you lunch than two people. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you correctly, basically the whole concept of it is no one really has no one. And it takes some time to carefully think about who do you have in your network, as you mentioned, who would shout your lunch? And it's a matter of asking, a matter of asking, and you never really know whether they will help you or not until you ask. So for someone who's just starting out their company, getting help from other people is absolutely vital. As you mentioned, it takes a country to raise a startup. Yeah. So I think a lot of people don't seek the help that they actually need because of two main reasons. One, it's that they don't think that they have that network, hmm. but then it's also that they have this weird idea that they can't talk to anyone about what they're doing because someone might steal their brilliant idea (laughs) and then they've lost everything. So many entrepreneurs come to me during my consult hours and they have this issue and sometimes they're cagey with me as if I'm going to steal their idea. It really shows a level of misunderstanding about how startups actually grow because that would be like you've planted a seed and then you've kept it in a cupboard. Like that's (laughs) never going to grow. You can't grow something without sunlight. So you have to show it to people because that improves it. That builds it. And the idea that someone's going to steal your idea and do it better than you are is like completely ludicrous. I've never heard of that ever happening. And even if it did happen, like it's, that's an idea, like come up with another one. Like (laughs) I, I can come up with five a day. It's easy. So it's all about the execution of that idea and, and being willing to actually shine a light on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about how no one is ever truly alone. And when you know someone who will quote unquote buy you lunch, they will know someone who will buy you lunch and so on. And the string continues. Something that I think would be great to unpack is post-initial interaction. So post-initial interaction, when we finally 
meet that person to buy us lunch or help us, how do we maintain that relationship? Because I'm sure it can't just be a one-way street where we continuously ask them, quote-unquote, to buy us lunch because Mm. at some point it has to be a give and take. And for someone I understand who is just starting up, who may not have a lot to offer, in what ways can we reciprocate? Because we need to be humble enough to ask for help, but at the same time, we need to be generous enough to, to give help. Yeah, really good question. How do you give back to mentors? Mentors are very hard to talk about as a collective because they all have very different motivations. But one thing that I hear a lot is that mentors really enjoy coming on the journey with you. They don't feel like they can call you up and ask how it's going. Hmm. So they want to be updated and they want to be told, like, we met, you said this, I did this based on what you said, it's going like this. And then three months later, you touch back saying, hey, we haven't spoken for three months, I I know, but I just wanted to let you know how everything's going because you're helping me build this business. It's starting to think of them more as shareholders because shareholders get all this reporting and the CEO writes letters to them and, and they get all these updates on how their company is doing. And mentors, you kind of have to take them on thinking that, well, I'll, I'll write to them. And you do that as a way of saying, thanks for helping. Your help makes a difference. And then through doing that, you'll find that they're more likely to stay engaged and to say, hey, that, that sounds great. I, I'd love to meet up for lunch and, and to hear more about what you're doing. Yeah. So to unpack that a little bit, it seems that the way that mentees can give value to the mentors is by application. Reporting back to the mentors what they have suggested and letting them know how it went. Spot on. You think that they don't want to hear from you. Like mentees just get caught up in in the actual ongoings of their business. And then they think that the people that have helped them get there aren't interested in hearing Mm. what they're up to. (laughs) But of course they are the most interested people. And yet most of the time mentors have one-off meetings and then never hear it from anyone again. And that's the exact opposite of what they want. They want to hear what's going on. You bring up a good point. From my personal experience running paper pens, one of the mentors that I encountered at the very beginning was a person called David Burt. He's the um, the program manager for On Innovation at the CSIRO. Uh, we had a chat for about two hours. And ever since then, I have been thinking of ways in which I can contact him or in what ways can I give value? Because for someone who's already out there yeah i couldn't figure out ways that i could give back value to him but now that you that you suggested no why don't you apply those things that they have taught you and actually let them know that's a way to to kind of in a way it's it's flattering isn't it when you teach someone something and you notice that it's made an impact in their life and they've actually taken steps to do what you suggested yeah definitely and it's also mentors don't a hundred percent know whether what they're advising you to do is going to work. (laughs) And so in the same way, they're kind of using you as a way to validate what they think is right. And if they say, go there and do that, and they never hear from you again, then they assume that go there and do that didn't work. Mm. And even if it didn't work, that's really important information for them because they want to know why. 
They want to know what happened. Whatever they tell you, they want to know the result because they're going to share that result with other people as well. So you're helping to help them learn through your experience, which is really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about expanding your network. I know that a lot of people have this conception like networking is scary and it's difficult when we go into an event, go into a room, there's a bunch of people that I don't know. And what sort of mindsets can we go into a networking event so that we maximize maximize the value that these events bring? I think there are many different types of networking and there are many different outcomes that you're hoping for. I think one of the biggest mistakes is people thinking that those kinds of you know networking events where everyone's got a drink and they're standing around and and you're meant to like work the room and and network that that's going to lead to really valuable insights or really valuable connections and when you're right it almost always doesn't but that doesn't mean those events aren't valuable but it's the outcome that's misaligned those events are really really good at deepening relationships hmm. Sometimes they're good at starting new ones, but rarely. Like you're rarely going to meet someone in those kinds of circumstances that you have enough time and mental space to actually go, "Wow, this is really good conversation. Let's let's meet up," and and suddenly you've got this great mentor relationship. That very rarely happens, although it sometimes does. I think it's much better to think of those kinds of events of, "Well, who in the room do I know, and how can I?" touch base with them and deepen that relationship Hmm. it's much more useful to think of it that way and then suddenly you're not interested in you know necessarily talking about yourself you're interested in hearing from them and then you're thinking oh how can i introduce them to someone who's in the room who might be useful for what they're trying to do i think if you go into networking thinking that give is gain you will come off much much better you've got to think always in every interaction how can i help this person even if they're a mentor and you're a mentee how can you help them everybody needs help doing something because none of us are perfect at anything so those events should be managed that way but that needs to be filled up by other approaches that actually do start to create a new and potential mentor mentee relationships And so that's usually through getting involved in programs, referrals, or just hunting people down on LinkedIn. If you ask someone on LinkedIn, hey, can I buy you a coffee? Most of the time it works and they say, sure. And then you, you know, go to them, buy them a coffee, and then try and see a way that you can create mutually beneficial relationship. Then you start to try and Go to networking events that they're at and deepen that relationship. So you mentioned a, a mentor that you had early on that you know you were trying to figure out a way to help and deepen that relationship. Well, it would just be figuring out which events he's likely to be in and then going to those events and saying, hey, thanks for your advice. It was great to catch up. Like I, I did that thing. It's like giving that shareholder report in person. <laughs> yeah. But you've got to kind of think through how are you communicating with these people and are you going out of your way to do that? Are you thinking through which of these relationships you want to deepen and which ones are you not? Are you being strategic about it? Yeah. So to summarize, the whole idea of networking events is that 
Yes, networking events, when you come into the event thinking or you're going to talk about yourself, most often than not, it's going to lead to nothing. But when we start to shift our perception of these events as not one where we may or may not necessarily find someone new, but as a way to catch up or deepen the connection with people that we already know, that's when we can start to kind of really see the value of these events. Because as you mentioned before, yeah, about reporting to your shareholders or your mentors who have given you suggestions when you actually meet them in these events, it's a way to actually meet them in person and a way to, yes, deliver this report in person. Before you briefly mentioned messaging people on LinkedIn and buying them a coffee as a way to kick off that initial engagement. Can you tell us a little bit about these coffee meetings and kind of why should we do that? Why should we buy people a coffee just to meet them? I think in in my career, I've had well over a thousand coffee meetings. (laughs) I can honestly say at at least 90, probably 95% of all of them, something has come from them, which is a staggering number and it still holds true. And it's because if you go into those meetings and looking for overlap, you just find it everywhere. You find that people have the same motivations as you. People are trying to do things that you find interesting. People find what you're doing interesting. Humans inherently find other humans interesting. (laughs) And so if you have a one-on-one with someone, you're more likely than not to find something of value, whatever that may be. So... As an entrepreneur, you've got to have an opportunity-seeking mindset. And having coffees with people is a way to identify those opportunities and also hone that skill Mm. of looking for opportunities. Because, you know, maybe they want to be a co-founder. Maybe they have this great business idea that they've just not never got around to it and they've been waiting for you to come along. Maybe they know a potential customer for your business. Maybe... They are looking to hone their skills in making a podcast. You have no idea what might come of it, but you've got to go in there with an open mind and willing to, to see what might come of it and see that as valuable and, and, and pursue those things. Yeah. So the whole idea of getting a coffee with someone is about exploring opportunities. And when you have that one-on-one with that person something may lead to something else. And you briefly mentioned that you've had maybe over a thousand coffee meetings and at least 95% of them have actually led to something of value. Alex, where can someone go to learn more about communicating? Because for some people, it might be incredibly daunting to meet one-on-one and just kind of hope for the best for a mutually beneficial agreement. Unfortunately, I don't know of any silver bullet that's going to teach people how to do that without just practice. <laughs> it seems those um, awkward conversations are, are inevitable. It's really important just to go out there and, and give things a crack. Just try and you might be pleasantly surprised because it's a lot easier and a lot less scary than you make it out to seem in your own head. Alex, I want to unpack a little bit about your own personal experience with networking and how you applied that in your own journey as a startup founder. So what are some of the approaches that you took when meeting up with these people? I've never been shy in in reaching out to people and, and visiting people and, and talking to them. So that's definitely been well utilized and, and a useful skill. 
And I think it also comes down to uh, like an inherent interest in other people. When I meet someone, I'm more interested in them than I am in talking about myself. And so most people like it when people pay attention and interest into who they are and what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I have an inquisitive nature. So I like to know what people are doing and why they're doing it. And so that means that by definition, like most of my sales have come from building relationships and being interested in their business and interested in how how I might be able to help. And my desire to to genuinely help others is really the best sales approach that you could have because the first couple of sales for a startup should happen when you're so deep in customer service that you don't know where you are anymore. You should just want to understand the problem. You should want to understand your customer. You should want to understand how you can help. And then as you become an expert in helping your customers, your customers will want to pay you because their business needs your solution. And so they need that reliably, and that's where you get customers from. And if you take that approach, you're not thinking about it from a financial perspective. You're not thinking, how can I make money? How much should I charge for these things? Your customers know the answers to that. And they're the only ones who do because they're the only ones who are actually going to pay it. Yeah, absolutely. So Alex, thank you so much for being a guest at the Genesis of Startups. It was incredibly valuable to have you here talking about networking and more specifically how someone can grow their business through the help of their network. To our listeners, I hope that you found it incredibly valuable. If you'd like to learn more about Alex Carpenter or about the genesis of startups, feel free to drop us a line on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Until next time.